When the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, the economy crashed in newly independent Ukraine, and the elderly especially began to suffer. It was worse for elderly Jews for one reason. Most of them had no extended families to care for them. The Holocaust had seen to that. Throughout the former Soviet Union, international Jewish organizations like the Claims Conference and the Joint Distribution Committee began setting up Hesed centers where elderly impoverished Jews could come and find companionship, food, clothing, medicine, and even jobs. Retired lawyers and judges came to review contracts and give advice. Nurses came out of retirement to make house calls. And people like Herzog Gavoy, a doctor, began working at the Hesed Center in Kiev. That's where Ella Levitskaya found 80-year-old Dr. Rogovoy one afternoon after work in 2004. And they met twice more. Here's what Dr. Rogovoy told Ella. And his story is read for us by Alan Corduner in London. My parents both came from religious families here in Kiev, and they married in 1912. I was their third son, and I was born in August 1924. When I was very young, I would go to synagogue with my father. By the 1930s, all the synagogues in Kiev had closed, except one, the one in Podol. My father was a businessman and was arrested by the Soviet authorities in the late 1920s. He spent three years in the gulag, which, as you can imagine, coloured his views on communism. He hated everything about them. In fact, no matter what Soviet propaganda said on the radio, he would automatically believe the opposite. While I was young, he and I were really close, but... By the time I was 14 or 15, I had become a true believer, a member of Komsomol. Father never stopped mocking me for those ideals I spouted. He'd say, one day, son, you'll find out. And I did. But that was a long way off. I was just graduating, ninth grade, in June 1941, when the Germans attacked, I was with a group of cadets. We were all 17 years old, and we listened to the radio, and we heard Molotov's speech about the invasion. As fast as we could, we ran down to the military office to enlist. But since we were just 17, they yelled at us to go away. So we came back the next day, and the next, and the next. I joined as a volunteer. First, I was sent to the reserves troops, but in the autumn of 1941, I was sent to defend Moscow. It was already turning cold. Then it started snowing. We began from Mozhaisk and reached Istra. Those first battles were fierce. God, was I scared. I was sure that a bomb was heading right for the top of my head. That hurrah patriotism we signed up with, it ended in my first battle. 
When your friend next to you shrieks out in pain and dies, you forget slogans. But we had to attack. The head of our squadron jumped up, and half buried in snow, he yelled, Get up! Swore at us, and aimed his pistol at each of us. Then it was, Hurrah! Forward! Men fell. On one side of me, then the other. And we cried for the motherland, for Stalin, but mostly we just cursed the Germans as loud as we could. That was when I was wounded in my shoulder, and they sent me to Voronezh, 650 kilometers to the east, because that's where my parents were. I wasn't even 18 yet. It was a miracle my father and mother got out of Kiev at all, because father kept listening to the radio and he figured if the Soviets were telling people to leave, he would stay in Kiev. Thank God my older brother pushed him and my mother onto a train. In time, my parents evacuated all the way out to Kazakhstan, where they waited out the war. I was sent to a military academy near Nizhny Novgorod. That place was its own hell. They fed us so little that we cadets went into town begging for food on the streets. After we graduated, it was already autumn 1942, and they told us we'd be shipping out. Our destination? Stalingrad. The city was already devastated. Shells and mortar bombs kept coming at us. The worst battle? Our platoon was given three enormous machine guns. They had been entrusted to 45 boys, all teenagers. And I'm sure none of us weighed more than 63 kilos, 140 pounds. Our officers told us that no matter what, we were to hold a half-destroyed house for the next five days. We set up the guns, which were extremely accurate, and we thought of Stalin's order number 227. Not one step back. Ni shagu nazad. We started firing. After two days of an incredibly fierce battle, seven of us were still alive. We ran out of cartridges for our machine guns. We were out of food and water. Then a mortar bomb hit the house. And still, no one came to rescue us. What were we supposed to do? A shell hit the house, and we could see the cellar below. We dove in. There was no light, and only a bit of air came through the crevices. We crawled around that basement like blind mice. I don't know how long we stayed there, maybe a day, maybe longer. It was as if we had been buried alive, and we were all crying out in despair. Then a miracle happened. A shell hit the basement again, and it made another hole. This time we saw daylight, and we scrambled away. I had a few slight wounds, and was in the hospital for two weeks. When I got out, 
I had been promoted to lieutenant and appointed a platoon commander. We headed northwest toward Yeletz. We went by train, often by foot, and were under constant attack. We came to a village and routed the Germans. I saw one of them running away, and I tore off after him. He ran into a half-destroyed house and started running down the stairs. I emptied my magazine into his back. I was stunned. Sure, I was used to shooting Germans, but never from this close. And he just turned to me, and there I saw the face of a dying man, killed by me. And his face is in front of me even now, today. He was the same poor, emaciated soldier that I was. On March the 6th, we attacked near Orel. The ground was covered with snow, and we had no camouflage whatsoever. We were incredibly easy to spot. The Germans started such an artillery attack, and there was no way we could make it to cover. One bullet hit my gun, and the splinter from the rifle butt tore into my face. I still have that scar. A second bullet hit my shoulder, and my hand went numb. It hung completely limp. I crawled backwards. Then a mortar landed, and a piece of shrapnel pierced my left thigh. Blood was spurting from me. I lost consciousness, and when I came to, I tried to keep crawling backwards. As if this wasn't enough, a German sniper spotted me. One bullet hit the ground right in front of me. The second, just behind me. The third hit my leg. It was a percussion bullet which hit my tibia and exploded when it came out. I lost consciousness again. Then I came around. And there, in the trench, weak, wounded, with almost no hope, I turned to God. I will remember for all my life that gorgeous blue sky above me with flashing lights from tracer bullets. I thought, I guess I will never make it to 20. I could not hear the explosions. They seemed so far away. I lay there, reaching over to put snow in my mouth. And that's when six of our soldiers found me and carried me to a village. I spent months being treated in one hospital after another in Moscow. I was awarded the Order of the Great Patriotic War, Second Degree, and the Red Star for that last battle. As I lay there recuperating, two thoughts filled my mind. First, an unbearable hatred for the Germans— such hatred remained with me for years. No, for decades. But I had another thought. After all this time I had spent in hospitals, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I would become a doctor. By this time, much of Ukraine had been liberated, and in August 1944... I made my way home 
to Kiev. I went straight to the Kiev Medical Institute and applied. When I went looking through the list of those admitted for the first course, my name wasn't there. I stormed, well, I hobbled into the room where the admission board was sitting. They told me that I was not admitted because I couldn't possibly become a doctor with my crippled hand. I was infuriated. I asked whether my crippled arm would be good enough to beg on the street. They invited me to start class the next day. I got excellent marks. In time, I learned slowly to walk with a crutch, then without one. My leg would take years, not months, to heal. I began my work as a general practitioner. I was incredibly poor then. I had nothing. When my brother came to see me in late 1945, he brought a baked chicken. I looked at it, and I burst into tears. I joined the Communist Party in 1951. Not that I believed in it. My father had suffered enough. But I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to help people, and I knew I would need to join the party. So I did. I continued to work as a doctor in the Podol section of Kiev. In time, I married and had a daughter. When Perestroika started in the mid-1980s, I was delighted. But my euphoria did not last long. Things got worse and worse, especially for older people. When Ukraine was declared independent in 1991, a lot of Jewish communities appeared. There is a cultural center, which I like, and this Hesed center. When I heard they needed doctors to see elderly patients, of course I signed up. And yes, having doctors here is very important, but speaking as a doctor, I can tell you that the most important thing about the Hesed centers is they give lonely old people, all of them Holocaust survivors and most of them very much alone, a place to meet. Believe me, loneliness is the worst thing that happens to old people. As for me, I am so glad to have my family. And my faith in God has always stayed with me. I don't often go to synagogue, but... When I do, I go to the one in Podol, just where my father and my grandfather went all those years ago.